We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast and we are back and better than ever the full crew is here for the first time in a month it's been a while guys I, i'm yeah. not 100 sure i know it's been at least two weeks for me so uh, my apologies for that, but we are back and we are ready to roll. The Packers are now seven and two heading into Indianapolis to take on the Colts in a building and a state that they have never won in. So I didn't realize that that was the case, but they have never won in Indianapolis. And we are here to break all of that down for you. I am your host for this episode. I am Jacob Westendorf and you can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Westendorf and joined as always by Jimmy Christensen Jimmy, fresh off a trip to the gym and covered in sweat. No, I'm kidding. But Jimmy, how are you doing? <laughs> good, good. I was just at the gym, but I was just coaching. I'm lazy on Wednesdays. That's my show up, do nothing, and leave days. Um, but I'm good. Follow. I'm going to do my Twitter thing, too. Follow me at uh, Jimmy underscore C08. Um, but I'm happy we're all together. I always like talking to Maggie. I always like thinking horrible things about you in my head. So it's a good thing. And as we mentioned, the main event is here as well. Maggie Maloney <laughs> has joined us. And she is here. Uh, Maggie, I apologize that you have to put up with both of us this time around, but we are thankful that you're here. How are you? I'm good. This is a, a lot of energy that I have not prepared myself for. So I got to ease into it. But I guess, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. I've been gone for a little while, guys. I got a lot of pent up uh, <laughs> frustration, I guess, over the last couple of weeks that I've got to get out. Uh, so that's where we're at, guys. The Packers 7-2. and two. They beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, winning ugly, returned for a weekend. I suppose you could say a win is a win. That's a Todd Varney special, so drink on that one, Todd. But the, the Packers, they get the win. It didn't necessarily always look like that was going to be the case, but they did. Played maybe their – I don't know if it was a worse game than the one they played against Tampa Bay, but it's right up there with it as far as just the level of play throughout the course of that game. Uh, but it was, it was very frustrating and – 
disappointing. But overall, seven and two is better than six and three. And now they head into a game where they're not playing a one and seven Jaguars team. They're playing a very good Colts team who's going to be coming off of a mini buy of sorts, uh, taking after they beat up the Tennessee Titans pretty good on Thursday night before Green Bay played Jacksonville. And now they're coming in and they have, they're really good guys. They have Matt LaFleur said today, they're maybe the best special teams unit that they'll face. Uh, they have one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in all of football, they're well coached. Frank Reich is one of the best head coaches in all of football. And on the offensive side of the ball, they've got Phillip rivers, Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, Michael Pittman, T Y Hilton. They've got some weapons and the best offensive line in football. And we're going to break all of that down for you guys here. What is the first thing that I want to get to here is Maggie. What's the first thing that you see when you look at this team, not just offensively, but as a whole, what's the first thing that really stands out to you as you've looked at this Colts team? Honestly, and I've said this, I think I said it on packs, what she said in happy hour, but to me, it's which Phillip rivers are we going to see on Sunday? I think that that's kind of going to be the deciding factor for how well this Colts team plays he has his moments where he looks like he should be retiring from the NFL. And then he typically against the Packers has the games where he looks like a future first ballot hall of famer. So I think kind of depending on what we see out of him on Sunday, that'll go a long way towards the success, especially of the offense, because I know that we're here to break down this Packers defense. And Jimmy Phillip rivers has statistically and traditionally played pretty well against green Bay. If you think about it off the top of my head, he's played them three times in his career. Uh, the first time, of course, came in 2011. Uh, actually, I take that back four times. He played uh, at Lambeau in Favre's final season uh, there. Played okay uh, through a game-sealing interception that time around. In 2011, he threw two pick sixes back-to-back, which is never not funny to me that that's actually possible, <laughs> but it was, and Rivers found a way to do that. And then the last two times that they've played, he played really well. He threw for 500 yards at a game at Lambeau here. In 2015, Demarius Randall broke up a pass uh, to Danny Woodhead to seal that game. And then last year, they were just really efficient, kind of death by a thousand paper cuts in one of those lack of energy, didn't practice well losses that have become a little familiar in the Matt LaFleur era. But what are your what are your thoughts on what you've seen from Rivers so far in Indianapolis as he's made that transition from playing for the Chargers? They decided to move on. Obviously, it looks like they've made that correct decision now that they have Justin Herbert, but what are your thoughts on rivers and this Colts team uh, as they stack up in the AFC? Yeah. Again, it's with rivers. It's, it's so weird because he really is like the old Jameis Winston, or you should say Jameis Winston's like Philip rivers. Whereas like, there's moments where like, wow, you could be like, you're a good quarterback. And then there's moments where like, what the hell were you just thinking? Like, why did you think you could make that throw? Um, and that's the same story now. That was how it was with the Chargers, and everyone thought, like, well, they've always had a terrible offensive line. He always want, had to keep them in game. So thinking he'd go over to the Colts, where they, like you mentioned, have the best offensive line, arguably the best offensive line in the league. People thought that would change a little bit, and they wouldn't. he wouldn't have to rush out throws or anything like that. But it's kind of the same old Phillip Rivers. It's it, However he plays Sunday is going to dictate the game. He could come out, like Maggie said, and be a first ballot Hall of Famer like he did last time against the Packers, or he can come out and make Pat McAfee – scream about him on Monday. So we really don't know what, uh, what version we'll get. He's an anomaly. Yeah. I'm rooting for that version. I think it's, it's funny. Something that sticks out to me about rivers is something Rogers said on the McAfee show. And that's, it's impressive that Philip rivers can talk as much as he does and never swear. And that to me is incredible. (laughs) Philip rivers mic'd up is never not funny. When I look at this Colts team, I look at a group of, I don't think they're on the same level as like the Steelers and the Chiefs. Those two teams right now, I think, are the two best teams in that conference. But Indianapolis, to me, has emerged, at least lately, and this is subject to change, but they've emerged as that third team. And I think that that is a a team that it's not the one that you want to play in the postseason just because they kind of have that formula, if you will, to win a playoff game on the road against one of those high-powered teams to kind of put a scare in you. They have the defense to be able to make enough stops against say Patrick Mahomes or Ben Roethlisberger. And they also have the ability with the veteran quarterback and the running game and the offensive line and enough playmakers at their skill positions to kind of go score for score with a team like again, Patrick Mahomes or Phillip rivers or Phillip rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, same draft class. But I think that this is a team that I don't think that they're going to win the super bowl or anything like that. But I will not be surprised at all if they're playing on conference championship Sunday and if they knock out 
Pittsburgh or Kansas City or somebody like that in the second round of the postseason just because they kind of have that that formula set up really well. And some of that has to do with their offense, and that's kind of what we're here to break down now. You know, unfortunately, the 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 headline this week is the Colts defense against Green Bay's offense. And that is not what we get to break down this week. Uh, the Colts defense, obviously, we're going to learn a lot about this Packers offense. We'll see if you know they have some of their guns back. Alan Lazard was activated from injured reserve. Devontae Adams may or may not be able to play. He said the plan is to play. Whether or not that happens, we'll see. He does have an ankle injury. Uh, but the Packers would have all of their skill guys for the first time since week one, week two, something, or excuse me. Yes. Yeah, so it's the second quarter of week two. That would be when they had their, all their skill guys the last time. So hopefully they can get those guys in because against a team like the Colts, you're definitely going to need it. And you saw it on Thursday night. I mean, that Titans offense, the only real huge from a talent standpoint, the Titans offense actually might have more talent on it than the Packers offense does. The difference being, that the Packers have more high-end talent, right? Aaron Rodgers is much better than Ryan Tannehill. Devontae Adams is better than Corey Davis and A.J. Brown. But after that, I mean, Derrick Henry is a very, very good player. I just mentioned those two receivers and Jonu Smith. So let's get into that. What is your guys' confidence level on the defensive side of the ball here if the offense can't necessarily score 30 points a game that this defense might be able to go? And the numbers say that this Packers defense is – a average to top 10 ish type of unit. Now, I don't think you're going to find a lot of Packers fans that sit there and say, Oh yeah, I feel like green Bay has a top 10 defense. So Maggie, you're kind of giving me a look like you can't believe that I actually said that, but I mean, what are your thoughts on this defense being able to kind of control a game? If green Bay's offense does struggle a little bit against Indianapolis. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to CompScore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Term and conditions apply. I think that's just my face for one thing. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I do disagree with you a little bit that the Packers played really poorly on Sunday. I mean, I think when you go back and rewatch it, there were some moments that I was really impressed with the way that the defense was playing, especially not having Kevin King and Jair out there. Matt LaFleur had said his secondary was asked to play a lot of man to man and they did that really well. Um, in most instances, you know, there was a special teams blunder. They had some really bad field position and they were able to hold that Jaguars offense to field goals for most of the time. So they really had only given up the one touchdown. Um, and I think we saw kind of in that final Jacksonville drive, the key is to get pressure and, you know, we don't have a ton of film on Jake Luton to know who he is as a quarterback, but Phillip Rivers is not mobile. And I think that that's one of the keys then for this defense on Sunday is they kind of had an entire series against Jacksonville to build all of that pressure. Um, Adrian Amos had the turnover early before the half to put some points on the board for Green Bay when they should have had Devonte touchdown and then had to kick that field goal. But I think that those are, you know, it's, it's the same thing every week in, in a different way you need turnovers and you need pressure. And Phillip rivers is the guy. It's kind of the same thing we said going into the Buccaneers game with, with Tom Brady, you know, not a mobile quarterback, but he, like you said, will dink and dunk his way down the field death by a thousand paper cuts and the Colts have a good running game. So, you know, we saw improvement in the second half of the Jacksonville game with this Packers run defense and, you know, not sure if that's because Jacksonville felt they needed a big play to kind of stick in the game or if, you know, the run just was shored up by this Packers defense. But I think that Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor are going to be a, probably a bigger test 
for this Packers defense because there's a tandem instead of just James Robinson uh, for Jacksonville. And I think that getting that pressure with that front four of Kenny Clark, the Smiths, and then Rashawn Gary is going to kind of be the telltale sign to setting that tone on Sunday. I'm yeah, glad you, go ahead, Jimmy. Yep. I'll say I'm glad that you brought up the Buccaneers because that's exactly what I was thinking too. Like this was the same thing we were saying before the Buccaneers game is that we're facing a, another quarterback who's not mobile at all. Like I'm pretty sure Jacob on one leg might be able to outrace Philip Philip Rivers. So like <laughs> watching Phil run is just sad. Oh, I know. I kind of wish he has like a, a Danny Dimes moment and tries to run and just falls when no one touches him. That'd be the most Philip Rivers thing. Um, but yeah, no, I think um that's that's gonna be key to them is getting pressure on Philip Rivers. But again, like you said, that's kind of the same thing every week is getting pressure. Just that's something that we really last week we improved on a little bit, but that's something we're really struggling with and i'm actually interested to see in how much they change their normal game plan of philip rivers is throwing like out of six games this year he had 33 pass attempts or more and we've seen like the vikings beat us with Kirk cousins not throwing much last week and granted it was it was looting but still um like they relied a lot on the running game and naheem hines and jonathan taylor too they're they really talent Naheem Hines can do a backflip with a Mick twist Ollie halfway through the air. So it'll be interesting to see what, uh, that's the thing you saw that celebration, right? Where he backflipped and did the twist. I didn't know that's what it was called. That was, Oh, it's not. I just said some skateboard moves. I saw in Tony Hawk. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just don't know what it's called. He did a backflip and like turned in the air, but, um, yeah. And full pads was really impressive anyways. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to see in how, much they if they dial down Philip Rivers a little bit more and just rely heavily on their uh, their running backs. And twenty pressures last week total for the Packers against the Jaguars, and that includes seven from Rashawn Gary. Obviously, the the plays late in the game are going to be the ones that come up. Obviously, because that last series the Packers had one sack from Gary, one sack from Preston Smith, and then Zadarius Smith and Rashawn Gary each kind of pressuring on fourth and twenty six there with to close out the game but they were really harassed they harassed him all day long and this week you have a chance of getting back your two starting corners i mean that's the other part maggie mentioned that last week they played you know with all due respect to josh jackson and kadar hallman jair alexander is an all pro corner i mean you're always going to welcome somebody like that back and kevin king was a starter so if you can get those guys back talking about some of these receivers, you look at these guys that Indy has on the outside for their skill positions, T Y Hilton. I feel like he's been playing forever and ever, but he's done some good things. Obviously this season, Zach Pascal has done some good stuff for them as well. And Michael Pittman had a big game last week. He's somebody that I can totally picture the Packers having loved a ton in this past year's draft. He just looks like a type of player that Gutekunst would fall in love with as far as a receiver goes. And it makes me sad. He was one of my personal favorites. I thought he fit this Packers offense just perfectly, but that's beside the point. And I refuse to beat a dead horse when it comes to the Packers draft. So we're not going to get into that, but let's go into that. What were your guys' thoughts on the secondary Maggie? I know you mentioned that a little bit, but last week on how Jackson and Sullivan Sullivan played on the outside in base, which the Packers don't play a ton of anyways. And then you have obviously Kadar Hallman, I thought did some good things as well last week. You know, Jackson is an interesting case to me just because you look at some of the numbers, some of the advanced numbers, maybe look favorably upon him and some of the other numbers don't. So it's kind of a mixed bag for him. You know, you look at some of it as he's averaging, you know, a short amount of yards per route run. And some of those analytics speak well to him, but then you look at it, he's giving up an average of about 70% completion percentage, which isn't positive. And he has a issue with some penalties and stuff like that as well. Then you have Kadar Hallman, who I thought played pretty well. And then the safeties I thought played relatively well last week, save for, I, I know we're giving some credit to Savage for recovery speed on the pass breakup to DJ Chark, no. uh, but I, I, I think if the uh, if the wind was not blowing that day, that would have been a touchdown. Uh, but that's that's all beside the point. We'll we'll give him some credit, but overall, I think Savage has picked up his level of play the last couple of weeks, and Amos as well. Uh, so I think that the secondary as a whole. But Jimmy, I want to go specifically. What are your thoughts on how the corners played last week, and how you think they can do this week with potentially Jair is progressing through the concussion protocol and Kevin King was a full participant in practice today. So if they can get those guys back against Phillip rivers. Yeah. The, 
like you said, the the cornerback play last week was pretty um, was pretty good. I was I was pretty optimistic with it as the game went on. Um, they really stepped up, and especially Kadalar Holman that that third down play where he broke up that pass and that man that press man coverage was really impressive. And one thing I love about Holman is he is he's probably he's one of the most sure tackles in the secondary. Like if he's coming up to you, you're probably going to go down, which I really like about him. And the same goes with Josh Jackson. Um, like you said, he. He quarterbacks are efficient against him, but he kind of like embodies Mike Pettin's bend don't break. He'll let he'll let you get the pass, but it's not going to be a big play unless it's a DPI that he he has on him. But uh, the the secondary play was pretty good last week, but again, it's it's a little skewed. Kind of like when we talked about the 49ers game, we were going up against a six round pick making his second start in the NFL, and we were getting some pressure on him. So there was there was a lot of help to the secondary, which is great because. I don't know. It takes all 11. So they were doing their job, but um, I'm trying to be optimistic about them, but also know that this week's going to be a much harder test than Lutton was last week. Maggie, you mentioned Philip Rivers potentially looking like a, a first ballot Hall of Famer, but also looking like he's lost at times. Philip Rivers is kind of Brett Favre-esque, even at his best. And by that, I mean, <laughs> listen, never. just from a, a gunslinger standpoint, he's going to throw you one or two. You have to catch him. So, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit, but who's going to catch one this week? Jay, you're coming back. I like that. I, I <laughs> had a face when he said it. Just stone oh, cold. She's. It's she's my a, face, guys. It's my it's, face. It's a pillar of confidence, is what she is. Yeah, no, I was saying I, I was I wasn't trying to be a dick. Like I was <laughs> saying, it was cool. You were just like Jay, you had 100 percent confidence. It was good. Well, I had the. Uh, I had the bit early in the season where I made a prediction each game of how it was going to go. And one of the details I threw in there was that I thought this would be the game where Jair gets his first career pick six. So I also said it would be the first pick six of the season. Shannon Sullivan kind of ruined that for me during week two, but we'll <laughs> forgive him for that. Um, but overall, yeah. What are your thoughts on Jair coming back, potentially Kevin King as well, and trying to match up with T.Y. Hilton and Michael Pittman and Pascal and just some of this versatile skill set or skill group that Indianapolis has? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Jimmy. I've said, you know, before that I think Kadar Holman is one of the best tacklers on the defense. I think that he is really physical when he's able to play. So that's promising from him. Um, Sully led the team in tackles, if my eyes did not deceive me, um, in the box score after the game. I think he had like six or seven. I thought he looked pretty good in base. Um, he had the weird penalty that was eh. But uh, yeah, but I mean, I think that <laughs> that wasn't a challenging of pass interference, but it was right. Like oh, it was one absolutely. of those, Hey, we screwed this up. So I'm challenging <laughs> that you should have called pass interference on this play. Oh yeah. It was ridiculous. But I, I think that Jair, hopefully he can come back. Um, I think that, you know, Kevin King being a full participant, given the size, I would think that Jair will kind of hang with uh, T.Y. Hilton and then we'll see Kevin King on Michael Pittman. I think that that's a nice matchup. And then of course we'll see Sully still in the, the nickel role, but I think that it's, it's a good matchup for this Packers secondary. And I agree that, you know, Savage likely gives up a touchdown if there's the wind conditions are not as high, but I thought that he played probably his best game of the season beyond that. I thought that he was kind of, you know, rallying to the ball which is not something that we've seen from him and some of his angles have been poor this season so I thought that you know the cohesion there and I think that's that's kind of a big thing is I know that Josh Jackson has been playing quite a bit and they've had Sully all year and Kadar Holman has played some reps but you know going into this season that was one of my big focal points for this team especially the defense was you know you have Darnell going into year two Adrian Amos year two with the team Kevin King and Jair Alexander so you have like your core four and that's something that we haven't seen from the Packers secondary in so long that giving them a second year altogether was important and now we don't know what's going to happen with Kevin King you know going into a contract year but I think maybe getting some of that cohesion back and the potential that they have that this week against the Colts is significant. Yeah, I agree. And something you guys keep bringing up Kadar mm -hmm. Holm, and I know that's, that's Paul Brettel's guy. So I, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring that up myself here, but I would also say we might be talking about the Packers starting corner in 2021 opposite of Jair Alexander and talking about Kadar Holm and just because it's possible that the Packers would, not move on from, but you could see an open competition between him and Josh Jackson. And after the deal with David Bakhtiari and obviously Kenny Clark at the beginning of the year. And I know Gutekunst said that 
that gives them more flexibility and some things that they could do in terms of the cap to potentially sign some more of their own guys or some flexibility in March and just what all that could mean. And that's obviously an off season type of topic, but I just can't picture a scenario where Kevin King is back in green Bay. And I've, I've tried to figure out, you know, through this whole thing is what's a number, you know, that makes sense for him and makes sense for the Packers because the Packers, I mean, if you look at the way they're playing kind of musical chairs with their cap or whatever, is, is that number like two or $3 million? I mean, it's not a lot. And if you're Kevin King, don't you think like, Hey, I can bet on the fact that bad teams give out numbers to corners that are worse than him. Tremaine Johnson got a boatload of money, you know, years yeah. ago. And King obviously doesn't, he's had some of the sexy numbers that has come in. So if he's able to do that down the stretch, it's just one of those, it's unfortunate. You know, I don't, Kevin King obviously isn't trying to be injured, which is kind of the impression you might get if you just read social media, but you know, he's not trying to be injured. He just has been. And the Packers can't, they can't rely on him and, or they've been unable to rely on him. And that's, that's kind of a hard position to be in. But if he is able to come back, you know, I think that that's somebody who matches up well with Michael Pittman and Zach Pascal. And, you know, Maggie mentioned that you can kind of have Jair take care of T Y Hilton and, it's a good matchup for the way the Packers secondary, if everything is working correctly, the way that it's built works out really nicely, right? We talked about this at the beginning of the season. You have King to take on those bigger, more physical receivers. You have Jair to take on the twitchier, shiftier type of receivers and really just be your cornerback one. Regardless, he could cover anybody. I don't think that matters all that much. But Shannon Sullivan's been a, a relatively good player for them this year as well. But Hallman is somebody who I think that every time he's played – He's done a little something that I think gives you – I'm not putting him in the Hall of Fame. I'm not even calling him a starter at this point, but I think you can feel pretty good about him getting some extended opportunities. This game, though, guys, like most do in the NFL, comes down to the line of scrimmage, and we've talked about this a little bit. You know, We've kind of alluded to it a few different times, but it's Green Bay's front against Indianapolis's offensive line, which includes Anthony Costanzo. Quentin Nelson is probably the best guard in all of football. Ryan Kelly is a really good center. Mark Lewinsky is maybe the only average player on that front. And then you have Braden Smith, who's a really good right tackle over there as well. And they've done a really good job of protecting Phillip Rivers this season. And they've done a really good job of opening holes in that run game. Now, the Colts running game you've seen has been a little inconsistent. Jonathan Taylor, there's been some you know, clips and stuff of some inconsistencies in his vision and things like that. Naheem Hines, the first thing I thought when I watched him play on Thursday against the Titans is that looks like the exact type of player that will give the Packers absolute fits. And I could totally picture that being a thing. I think that that's somebody that Green Bay is going to have to have a plan for. So hopefully Christian Kirksey, I thought he played his best game as a Packer on Sunday. That was one where uh, it was, you know, there were some questions as to whether or not maybe he was getting Wally pipped while he was out of the lineup. And he came back on Sunday. He started and I thought he played pretty well. And there are some things he needs to clean up, as Matt LaFleur said, but I thought overall he did really well. But the big key here is, can Green Bay hold up enough in the run game? Because here's the reality, guys. The Packers, they're not going to be a top echelon run, run defense. Can they hold a team to basically what Jacksonville did? Maybe a slightly less version of that. You know, Jacksonville's running game on Sunday was annoying. Can you make it a little less annoying, basically? and get it to where you can get after the quarterback. Because obviously you want to play in second and eight, third and seven, as opposed to second and five, second and three, third and one, that kind of stuff too. But can you get it to where you can slow them down enough in the early downs to get after Phillip Rivers and force him into some mistakes? Because like I mentioned, if you get after Rivers, he will throw you a couple. And he did that you know, earlier in the year. I watched the Colts play against the Bears. The Bears got some pressure on him, and he made a few mistakes. They didn't catch every mistake that he made that's where green Bay has to catch those mistakes. And they did that last week with Luton. You know, they had the one where he threw it right into the bread basket of Adrian Amos. And that was nice. They caught the one they need to catch the ones they get this week. You know, you're looking at Quentin Nelson against Kenny Clark. That's football heaven. Kenny Clark played probably his best game of the season last week as well. That was really nice to see coming off of that. But then you've got Costanzo and Braden Smith against the Smith brothers and Rashawn Gary. And I want to get to that now because the popular, narrative starting to emerge uh, from the Twitter sphere and some of the pundits, if you will, uh, is that Rashawn Gary needs to start taking some of the snaps of Preston Smith. And I don't a hundred percent know if I'm there 
just yet. However, I will say there are moments each week and I'm catching these, you know, live. I'm not necessarily just going back with a careful comb on the film and saying like this, this, this and picking plays. But there are moments throughout the course of the game where I'm catching things and being like the, the one play that sticks out in my head last week. And you guys know exactly which one I'm talking about is the James Robinson run where it was like, he almost played two hand touch and tried to throw him on the ground. And it was just like, I mean, I'm not going to call an NFL player pathetic because that's disrespectful as all hell, but the effort on that play was pathetic. And Preston Smith is not having a good season. His first solo sack was last week. And last season, obviously he was much, a much better player. I don't know if I have seen a drop off from a player that, that wasn't aging, you know, I mean, obviously when, you know, Donald driver was 34 to 35 in his final season, then you saw that kind of drop off, but Preston Smith's still young. He was always a good player in Washington. I don't know if I've seen a drop off as dramatic the way that I've seen Preston Smith from his first season in green Bay to his second one. And I don't understand what's going on or why Maggie, I mean, you've watched with a careful eye on some stuff. What are your thoughts on, on Preston Smith? What's causing some of his ills and what should this be a time where they have Rashawn Gary taking more of his snaps? Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting because Andy Herman, Ben Fennell, there were plenty of, you know, people really trusted in the Packers beat that kind of disproved the theory that Preston Smith was being asked to drop into coverage much more than last season that ended up not being the case. The numbers are pretty equal. Um, So Darius Smith had even mentioned it last week in his post-game presser. He said, you know, Preston finally got an opportunity to generate some pressure, forced the Raven green interception. And that's what, Preston wants to do. That's what Preston likes to do. So I thought that was interesting because, you know, I don't know if maybe Preston has or or perception or the defense has a perception that maybe he's being asked to do something different than he was last season, but you know, the numbers kind of tell a different story. Um, I think, you know, we see in spurts him come alive and I don't know if it's Matt LaFleur had said that, you know, this team needed to have the same juice that it had on that final series the entire game. So I don't know if maybe Preston comes alive and that's when he plays his best football is when he's energized. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Rashawn Gary has looked really, really good in the limited opportunities that he's gotten. I think he's kind of emerged as the season went on, you know, he had a, a costly penalty um, against the box, but beyond that, I think he's played really well. And I think honestly, it's just, it's not even necessarily Rashawn taking Preston snaps away, but I would like to see less dime for Mike Patton and I would like to see uh, more four man rushes. And I think your ideal four man rush in most situations is Kenny Clark, the Smith bros and Rashawn Gary. So even if Preston doesn't have to come off for Rashawn to come on, I think that that's something that I personally would like to see more of moving forward is just getting your three like top tier edge rushers on the field at the same time. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You could get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Jimmy, what are your thoughts on the Smith, the Preston Smith situation? Yeah, that's one of the biggest disappointments of the season for me because I've been on shows with both of you guys and Lombardi's Bar, and I talk about him. He was the guy that I was super hyped for this season. Like you said, last year's first year with the Packers was amazing. And I'm not comparing him to Nick Perry at all, but I'm having Nick Perry flashbacks where they have like an incredible season with double digit sacks and then kind of fall off the face of the earth a little bit. But um, looking at this past week was the most snaps he's played since week four against the Falcons. So um, I know some, I don't know if it's, I really, I'm sorry, I'm stuttering now. I'm thinking of it because I really don't know. These are one of the things where it's like, Preston Smith can be a really valuable player on the defense, but right now, like you said, it seems like there needs to be something to kind of get him alive and going. And I don't know if that'll be something that you put Rashawn in taking some more of his snaps. That's kind of like 
a kick in the ass that he might need. But that's also the same time can just piss him off and make him not want to be there. So I really don't know. Um, I think defense wise, if you try it out, it's not going to hurt anything, but I'm with, I'm with uh, Maggie that I'd rather just see all, th- all three of them on the field together rather than uh, rotating them out. Yeah. I'll be interested if the season finishes for Preston, the way that it has started. If somebody asks Brian Gutekunst, you know, why such the difference from, one year to the next with Preston or what his thoughts on that were, or maybe if somebody asks Mike Smith, you know, what's, what's the difference. And it's not just sacks. It's not like that. Cause I'm not basing it just on that, obviously, because Mike Smith talks about it all the time pressures and all this stuff, but Preston Smith isn't pressuring the quarterback either. He's not affecting the passer as Brian Gutekunst would like to say on that. Uh, it was encouraging to see, obviously that, that Rashawn Gary had a game as good as he had. You know, I think that he's somebody who fair or not, He's, he's very similar to Kevin King. He's going to be re- compared to who he wasn't or who he's not and who was taken, who he was taken instead of. And that's always going to be the case. Um, and it's unfortunate that that's the way that it is for him. But overall, I think he had his best game as a Packer on Sunday as well. And this is the type of game again, where if he's starting to put it together, you want to see that from one game to the next. Cause we've seen some small flashes for Gary in his young career. You know, last year he has a sack against Denver and a fumble recovery in the same game. And then you don't hear his name called for a few weeks. And then this year, very similar, you know, you hear his game. He has two sacks against Detroit forces, essentially a pick six for Chan and Sullivan. And then you don't hear his name for a while. Could be due to an ankle injury. Could just be, you know, he's got, he's a young player and he's raw and he's got a lot of stuff to learn. I, I understand that too, but hopefully he can start, putting some of that stuff together because the reality of this Packers defense for Sunday and the rest of the season is if green Bay is going to win the super bowl or get to and win a super bowl, their best players for all the gnashing of teeth about their run defense and Mike Patton and all this other stuff. If green Bay is going to win it's Z it's Preston, it's Kenny and it's Rashawn. And those four have to be able to get to the quarterback. And when you're talking about a potential playoff run, where, you know, if the season ends right now, Green Bay's the number one seed. Let's just say for the sake of the argument that they play Tampa Bay and then New Orleans to go to the Super Bowl, and then you play Kansas City in the Super Bowl. You're talking about having to beat Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and Patrick Mahomes in three straight games. You're not doing that without pressuring the quarterback. So this is a really good week. This is a really good test. Green Bay, obviously, their pass rush came to life last week. It was nice to see that. That's a real positive thing going forward guys let's get into just one quick x factor we've got a little bit of time here so who's somebody that maybe we haven't talked about that you think if they play really well could our hallman could be an example from like last week's game as somebody who played well and that helped green bay out maybe somebody we weren't thinking about but maggie to put you on the spot who's somebody that you think if maybe not completely at the forefront so not zadarius smith but somebody that if they have a good game you think that'll go a long way towards green bay having a, a successful time in indianapolis yeah, I mean, I it's not necessarily putting me on the spot. I wanted to talk about him anyway, but Christian Kirksey to me. And I think that, you know, having him as that reliable force in the middle of the defense, he wore the communication helmet. I think he played just about every snap. And, you know, I know they've had Kamal Martin, Chris Barnes, Ty Summers, Oren Burks. It's kind of been a revolving door with Christian Kirksey being hurt. So I think just having a veteran presence wearing the helmet in the middle of the defense, that's that proved to be beneficial on Sunday. And I think that we'll see the benefits of that again, whether he's playing next to Kamal Martin when he comes back, uh, Chris Barnes, when he comes back, um, I know Kamal Martin was back, but just, you know, kind of whoever is rotating alongside him. I think that having a veteran like Christian Kirksey takes some of the pressure off those young guys and lets them kind of do one job for the middle of the defense, instead of trying to have to wear too many hats as a rookie developing player. Jimmy, I got a pretty good idea who you're going to pick, but I, I'll leave it to see if I was right. Oh, I'm I'm curious now who you're gonna think or who you thought. Um, I'm actually gonna go with Dean Lowry. Uh, I was wrong. I was not you, right at all. Raven Green. <laughs> oh no. Oh well, now I might switch. No, uh, I'm gonna go with Dean Lowry. Montrevious Adams didn't practice today, so he's he's a question mark for Sunday. Um, and it's not that he's been playing a lot, but this is just some we've we've already talked about it. We know Kenny Clark. We know his abilities. The Smith brothers, Gary, they had a great game last week, but. It's that it's going to be the role players on that defensive line too. That's doing their one eleventh and making sure they're, they're taking care of their gap and their responsibilities. And um, Dean Lowry, this is very likely 
he very likely be a cap casualty this upcoming off season. So mm-hmm. towards the end of this season, it's going to be his time to earn a decent contract with another team or convince the Packers to keep him around to restructure his deal. But he's going to have to step up and make sure he's, he's doing his job against a really talented offensive line. I'm going to stay with the same position group, but I'm going to go with Kingsley Kiki. Uh, shout out to the Lombardi's bar bump, obviously, but he's somebody that, the something that Green Bay I noticed over the weekend was there were a couple plays where like Rashawn and Zadarius were trying like speed rushes and Luton was able to kind of step up into the pocket early in the game and escape some of that stuff because they weren't able to get enough of an interior push. And that interior pressure is something that Green Bay has really lacked throughout the course of this season. And I think with obviously Kenny Clark has has played better on Sunday and he'll be able to do that. But Kiki is somebody who he's the second most talented defensive lineman on this roster. And we've talked about that, you know, all season, how you could say what you will about what you think that means for, for this position group, but it's the reality and he's played, he's had some spurts and some good moments. And I think he's somebody that, you know, this is a really good interior. I just mentioned that Ryan Kelly and Quentin now Quentin Nelson is one of the best offensive linemen. I don't care what position in all of football, which makes me wonder, you know, we talk about whenever we talk about the draft we always talk about like positional value and how you, know, you can't pick this position and this round and all that stuff. Do you guys think that anybody in Indianapolis cares that Quentin Nelson doesn't have value quote unquote, because he plays guard? I, I, oh, I, 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 I tend to think not. I mean, I guess the counter argument to that is he's the best guard in football and that's what he has to be in order to make that pick worth it. But he's incredible. And he's nasty, and he does my heart good as a former offensive lineman. But those are the kinds of guys they have to step up against. These are good, you know, you don't get to play the Jaguars and the Texans and, you know, some of these teams that just don't have dudes. Well, the Texans do have dudes, but bad teams with not that many good players every week. These are the type of teams you have to beat to go to the Super Bowl. And what I'm excited about and what has me so juiced, to use Matt LaFleur's terms for this game, is this is – the narrative that surrounds this Packers team is they can't win a physical game and they can't win when they get punched in the mouth and they can't win against a team that has a good physical front. Well, Indy is all of those things. And I'm excited to see if green Bay can win a game like that, because if they can, then they can compete with anybody and win any type of game. So I'm excited for that. It's prediction time, guys. We are out of time. Well, just about out of time. So we're going to get it. It's Green Bay. It's Indianapolis. The game was moved to 325. It was flexed out of the noon spot, which is just super. I love it. I hate it. Um, <laughs> Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on the call, and it will be Packers and Colts. Phillip Rivers against Aaron Rodgers for likely the final time of their career. Phillip Rivers probably on his last leg of his career. Um, so what do you guys think? Pretty simple. Who wins and why? Jimmy, I'll start with you. Oh, I was hoping you guys would go first uh, so I could steal some of your stuff. So for the, uh, this one's tough. I'm going to go. I don't think we're going to get to 30 points. I think the Colts defense is just going to be a little too tough for us. I'm going to go uh, Packers 27, Colts 24. Um, I think this is going to be, I don't know, looking at the past schedule, this is kind of the most the easiest game for the Packers to get excited about. I know we were facing the 49ers who beat us twice last season, a couple weeks ago, but again, that was a depleted team. So it could have been hard to get excited for. They did really well. And then we go this past week, the Jacksonville Jaguars, a one win team could have been hard to get excited for. Um, So this one, a team that's in competition for the playoffs, who's really solid that hopefully it's a little bit easier for them to come in pumped up. So I hope the defense is bringing that juice that they probably are sick of people talking about. And, uh, get that 27, 24 victory. Well, that's interesting. Cause I don't think Maggie's ever picked against the Packers since I've known her. So it's going to be a clean sweep if that is in fact the case. So Maggie, are you picking green Bay? Oh, she's shaking her head. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, going into this season, the Colts were one of the teams I had the Packers going, I think like 12 and four. I don't even remember at this point, but the Colts were one of the losses that I had pegged for green Bay. And as much as, you know, I I think that the fans are going to make a difference for the Packers on Sunday. I think that that's going to bring the energy that they need, even though there's only what 12,000 of them. Um, The Browns beat the Colts. So I would really like it if the Packers could also beat the Colts, but 
I don't know. I think this one is tough, and I think that we're it's going to be really close. It's funny that Jimmy said 27-24 because that's what I was thinking, but I kind of feel like it's going to be a blankenship field goal at the last second, 27-24 Colts. And I think it's going to be one of those you know, really hard-fought games. I think the Packers will be in it the whole time. I think it'll be heavily contested, and I think we'll see kind of promising things from this Packers team the entire time. I don't think it'll look like the Bucks game, but – I hope I'm wrong because I never, like you said, have picked against the Packers on this show, but I, it wouldn't be true to, to my predictions earlier in the season. If I didn't say the Colts were one of the few teams going into this, that I thought maybe could hand the Packers an L 2020 really does have a little bit of everything for us. So there you go guys <laughs> for the first time that at least I can remember, I can promise you guys this much. I don't think that there's a way that this game ends up worse than the last time Green Bay was in Indianapolis. And for those of you that don't remember how that went, it was Andrew Luck's rookie season. And it was uh, the Packers came down there and they were up 21 to three and just blowing the Colts off the field. And they blew that lead. Reggie Wayne had like 340 yards receiving and Mason Crosby missed a field goal by about 85 yards as time expired to lose the game. Uh, that they could have salvaged a win out of. It was not great. Uh, the Packers ended up obviously going to the playoffs that season. It ended up being one of Mike McCarthy's better teams uh, before they lost to San Francisco in the divisional round that year. But it cannot be worse than that. The last time these two teams met was right before the run-the-table run, or shortly before the run-the-table run. Uh, I remember I took my mom, who's a Colts fan, to Lambeau, and I thought there was no way that the Colts were coming to Green Bay and beating the Packers. And then they did. And that was, that was a quiet ride home is what that was. Uh, but this, I think it's, it, I think this is 28, 24 Packers. I think that they have an offense that can score points. You know, the thing about India is I've talked about their defense, but I don't think they've faced an offense as good as green Bay's either. Maggie mentioned that the Browns beat the Colts and the Browns had some success with less talent offensively, in my opinion, than what the Packers have and a, a worse quarterback, obviously with all due respect to Baker Mayfield. I think that, I think what happens is we, as a fan base, we get Packers fans are kind of fatalistic by their nature anyways. Like we're almost conditioned in some of our heads to expect the very worst. Anytime they play somebody good and they're playing somebody good this weekend and they're on the road. And that typically has been a recipe for not some great things in the recent past. But I think that this Packers team, the Colts are playing or coming off of a really big win, but they've also had some not great wins or not great games, not great days. They've, they've struggled against some other teams as well. Even they beat the bears in earlier in the season. And that game didn't go particularly smooth. It was just a, the bears offense was incompetent, which appears to be the norm for those of you guys that have watched Chicago play in recent memory. But I think green Bay has enough on offense. You know, if Devontae can go and it sounds like he's going to be able to go, if they can get Lazard back. And even if they don't, you know, Marquez Valdez Scantling, he's somebody we didn't get a chance to talk about him, but I was real impressed. I think he played, he's another guy. He played his best game as a pro on Sunday, you know, for as much as I talked about how I felt the Packers didn't play all that great. They did have quite a few guys that maybe played their best game as a Packer over Sunday. So if Valdez Scantling can stack some success and nobody's going to turn him into Randy Moss, but if he can be, something that resembles a consistent deep threat that changes a lot of things for this Packers offense. So I think green Bay does just enough. I think they catch the one that rivers throws to them. I think green Bay wins 28, 24. So we're out of time. It was good to be back. I apologize if I brought too much energy, like uh, my partners said, they weren't necessarily prepared for that, but I was here and I am ready. So you can follow me. I'm your host. Uh, I am Jacob Westendorf. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Westendorf and Packer report on Tuesdays, game on Wisconsin pretty much every other day of the week. And the good news is Maggie is not on the round table um, this Sunday. So that <laughs> means that the Packers have a better chance of winning than when she does. Cause I'm pretty sure that they haven't won when she has been on and it's been kind of ugly yeah. both times that she's been on. So we've, yeah. Uh, un unofficially banned her from, <laughs> from, from those. So. so I guess I need to change my prediction because <laughs> <laughs> either that, or we got to get you looped into the show real quick. If you want to write that badly. So that's um, where you can find me and you can find Maggie. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J Loney. I write two articles a week for Cheesehead TV. I podcast with Perry Goldstein, uh, packs what she said. We just dropped some merchandise. That's pretty cool. You should buy it for all of your friends and family. Um, and then I'm with the game on Wisconsin happy hour on Mondays at 6 PM Lambo time. Potentially some merch coming soon for that as well. And we need to get you like a, a baby onesie or something like that. Cause I think that would be cool for Blake. 
for oh, a long wait, time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Not you. I shouldn't yeah. No, That's not what I meant. I'm sorry. Pax of Chisa needs to have like a onesie or something like that. So I can get that for her. That would be pretty cool. Or okay. if we can get something like smaller. Um, but anyways, yeah, now that I've totally botched that, Jimmy. <laughs> I just thought you announced everyone that she was pregnant. Um, no, no, hell no. <laughs> no, I know. I just, no. I was just how like, rude do you is, think I am? I was like, this is strange. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, you can find me, Jimmy underscore C08. Um, on Twitter, I'll post all my stuff there. Tuesdays, I have an article for Packer Report coming out uh, at one o'clock every Tuesday. Then the Jamal Show uh, for his Christmas toy drive coming up. Uh, again, if you have any nominations for kids in the Green Bay area that can use some uh, blessings around Christmas, just send them over to Game On. Uh, and then Wednesday. One month from today. One month from today, yeah. Uh, Wednesday is Lombardi's Bart, 7.30. Thursday, you can listen to me here. And then Sunday with, unfortunately, Jacob and Alex Struff. I refuse to say it the correct way um, for the the pre the pre snap and then uh, yeah like pretty much where you find Jacob you can find me yeah uh, Jimmy and I have gathered that we do way we spend way too much time together it turns out we do just about everything together these days so I think it's better that our I think it's even funnier now since our daughters are born on the same day too just a year apart that makes it mm -hmm. even worse <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I said, so next time, if you ever, if I ever find out that my wife or your wife is having a baby again, I'm going to be texting you and asking like, Hey, <laughs> you happen to know, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So there we go, guys. It's Packers and Colts. It's 325 on Sunday in Indianapolis tomorrow. You guys will have Andrew and Kyle coming at you guys. So thank you guys for listening this week. And as always go pack, go. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.